Hey mamas, and welcome to Nutrition for Littles, a podcast dedicated to helping you raise healthy, confident, and independent eaters. I'm Alyssa, your mama in BRD. I'm a registered dietitian and mama of two. I specialize in nutrition and feeding for infants and toddlers. Nutrition is kind of my thing, and I love sharing it. But honestly, the few seconds Instagram gives me on my stories just wasn't cutting it anymore. Join me each week right here as we go deeper and tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby-led weaning, fostering a healthy relationship with food, and so much more. I'll try to be short because mom life, but I plan on giving you real-life tactical advice and answering your actual questions. I will walk you through actionable strategies to help you protect and preserve your child's innate ability to listen to their bodies and eat intuitively. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, you guys, I just need to sneak in here really quick and let you know that the doors to my Table Talk Picky Eating program are open right now. And for the very first time ever, I am actually opening the doors to two programs. The first one is Table Talk Starter. It's 100% self-paced. You can get started today and do it completely on your own. It's for those who just need to get started, get the basics, no fluff, and move on. The second option is what I call Table Talk Signature. This is for people who want a deep dive and also a week by week guided course with me and a group of other families going through it at the same time. The accountability is huge. Plus you get access to live Q&A calls with me to troubleshoot and answer any questions that might come up during the program. They both are so beneficial and Signature just builds on top of starters. You can start there if you want and upgrade in the future. Either way, more information is down in the description box below. I hope that you click on that and get all the information you need. Pick the program that works best for your family. And I can't wait to cheer you on inside of there. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. All right, now back to the show. Hey, 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 and welcome back to a brand new podcast episode. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. I will give you a little forewarning. This episode is a little intense, maybe even a little bit scary. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I've been hesitant to record this one because I think it can come off a little like fear mongering. And I truly do not believe moms need anything else added to their plate of fear, right? Like our plate is full. Leave that off of there, Right. But I also believe that it's important to talk about the realities that are there around picky eating. So if you're not already familiar with what we're talking about because you haven't looked at the title yet, today we are tackling why picky eating is such a big deal. Okay, so I've noticed recently that when I put up my question box on Instagram, every once in a while, a question will make its way in there and someone is brave enough to put it in there that says something like, why do I have to worry about this? Is picky eating really that big of a deal? Isn't it just a phase? Like, why do we have to even care about this? Why is there an entire Instagram account, an entire course, entire program dedicated to teaching me how to overcome pick eating? Like, can't we just serve chicken nuggets for a few years? 
they'll be fine. I did it as a kid. I'm fine. Yada, yada, yada. Right? Like, and I totally understand that sentiment. And if we are being dead honest here on this podcast, which you know I'm an open book, but if we're being dead honest, there's moments in my life that I'm like, is this really the most important thing I can be tackling as a dietitian? <laughs> like, there's so much information out there. And then I quickly remember, yes, this is the most important thing that I can talk about around nutrition because I think the picky eating phase for toddlers is such a huge like fork in the road of where we're going to go nutritionally, where we're going to go with our health, where we're going to go with our relationship to food, to our bodies, to our parents, to our families, to mealtimes. Something that we will never stop doing as human beings is eating. We need nourishment. Even if you're on tube, even if you're getting IV nutrition, you need nutrition to survive day to day. Okay, that got heavy fast, but I think you get my point. And if you haven't already, there's a podcast episode that I recorded a few months ago, probably at this point, that connects this idea more. So go back and listen to it. I think it, I forget what it's called, but it's basically like why picky eating or why, like how you can be the change with picky eating. Um, and it kind of connects why picky eating is such a huge fork in the road. But we're not necessarily going to talk about that specifically today. Today, we're going to talk about, okay, what happens if we just go with it? What happens if we just let picky eating ride, we cater to them, we do whatever and just like get through, like white knuckle it through this stage? What could happen? What will happen? Um, and we're going to talk about that today. So again, I'm not here to fear monger you. I'm not here to scare you. Literally, I try so hard not to talk about this point because I think parents already know how important picky eating, like getting over picky eating is. Um, I don't think I need to remind them much, but I think it will be good to have an entire place that has like, I wouldn't say all, but majority of the reasons why picky eating is so important to confront right here in one place. So I kind of broke it up into three different areas of their life, and I'm sure there's more, but we're going to start with this. The first one is the physical, right? So there are physical ramifications of picky eating. So the first one that I want to talk about is the lack of variety. So when our little eaters are picky or very selective, they decrease the variety of foods that they're exposed to and that they're willing to actually eat digest and get into their gut. And if you know anything about gut health, our gut health, our gut microbiome, the good bacteria that's living in our gut on the surface area thrive with variety. They need a variety of different probiotics, prebiotics, nutrition to survive, to thrive and have a healthy gut microbiome. This is so important for our long-term health, development, mental health, physical health, all the things is having a healthy gut. So if we don't have variety, we actually cannot have a healthy gut. Okay, the next thing that can happen is picky eating or selective eating can lead to both short-term and long-term nutrient deficiencies, which means that our children can be deficient in specific nutrients that our body needs in order to work best. Now, for a period of time, our bodies can adapt and usually they'll be okay and no symptoms will actually come up. So even though it's hurting on the inside, we may not see it on the outside, which is scary, right? I feel like that's really scary to think that something could be malfunctioning internally and we have no idea. So nutrient deficiencies, and again, this goes back to because they're not eating a variety of food. The most common nutrient deficiencies found in selective eaters are zinc, iron, and fiber. 
Of course, there are a plethora of vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients that are found, especially in like fruits and vegetables and meats, foods that toddlers typically are um, <clears throat> not interested in eating, to say the least. But zinc and iron are really two that are consistent amongst picky eaters, even moderate picky eaters, not even severe, that can have long-term growth and development um, issues with them. So it could potentially lead to stifling their growth and their development, specifically their brain development as well. Plus, and as you, as I already said, nutrient deficiencies uh, with fiber, I'm sure your ears perked up a little bit. <laughs> so with fiber, this can lead to chronic constipation and or chronic diarrhea, both of which are not ideal for our body to actually thrive, right? Like if we are constipated all the time, it's uncomfortable, it's painful, it actually kicks us into the cycle of eating less food because we're so full from being constipated, which constipates us further. And then we want less food and our appetite is down. And it's just like never ending cycle of constipation. Plus it can lead to like dehydration and basically not getting the nutrients from food a because we're eating less, but also not being able to extract those nutrients from what we're about to excrete back into our body, if that makes sense. Plus with diarrhea, chronic diarrhea, it's moving too quickly through our body. So we're not able to absorb it either. So fiber is super important to get kind of like that right balance. Okay. And of course, with being selective, they're likely eating less. Some research shows that they do eat less and some other research says that they don't eat less. They just eat less balanced, which increases their intake of carbohydrates. As we all know, toddlers' favorite food group. <laughs> so this can lead to undernourishment, malnourishment, and eventually even weight concerns that their body isn't the healthiest weight for them because they're under eating or because they're overeating certain food groups. Okay, so that's everything I've got in this like physical category. There is of course more to unpack there, but these are mom-friendly podcasts and I don't want to like bury you in sadness. So we'll stop there um, as far as the physical component goes. The next one I want to talk to you about is the mental component. I talk a lot about how we want to make our kids feel safe at the table and all these kind of like feelings come up around mealtimes. And it's very much about like letting them feel heard, letting them feel like they have control, letting them have that body autonomy. All these things are mentally helping them grow and develop. So when we have selective eaters that either we compound on them and make picky eating worse, we don't address it, we don't fix it, or we even potentially drive it down to a place where it's harder to dig themselves out, basically there is evidence to support that the mental load of being a selective eater can lead to anxiety later in life, like clinical anxiety and also clinical depression. So that kind of sucks, right? I mean, if you think that picky eating can actually stem or have correlate with mental health problems down the road, I feel like that's a big deal here. Um, we also see social anxiety um, as far as mental health goes, which I'll get more into in the next section all about social, but basically they develop social anxiety much more um, readily than kids who aren't selective or who have come over this picky eating phase. There's also very light research to support a correlation between being selective as a child and developing a full-blown eating disorder as an adult and or certainly developing disordered eating as an adult, not necessarily a full-blown eating disorder, but disordered eating habits as an adult, whether that's even just you're still picky as an adult. I cannot tell you 
the daily DMs I get from people saying either my husband's so picky, I'm so picky, my mom's so picky, like full-blown adults, the parent is the one who's still picky. And people are like, when are you going to start an account teaching adults how to get over their pickiness? (laughs) So this truly is a thing. So the research is unclear, I would say is the best way to say it, but that there is and can be definitely a correlation. But based on my anecdotal evidence of DMs coming in daily, I can tell you that there definitely is a correlation between how you were treated as a selective eater eater as a kid and what you eat later in life. So I just want to put that out there. And I want to mention too here that this research that I'm that I'm um, pulling all this information from is of course flawed. There Nutrition nutrition research is really hard because there's a lot of correlation, not causation. There's a lot of guessing. There's a lot of factors that go into nutrition. Like no one's going to want to eat a diet of boiled chicken and broccoli for 10 years straight just to see if it helps with heart health, right? Like they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that with picky eaters where they force them to do things. Like it's unethical and what a horrible life to just be a science experiment for years, for decades of your life. So just a reminder here that nutrition is a science and an art. So that's why I love it so much. (laughs) Okay, so that's on the mental side. Now let's dive into the social side of picky eating. There's a lot of social aspects that go into being a selective eater. We eat with people. As humans, we are literally always eating with other people. It's a very social thing to do. So of course, there are social components to consider when thinking about the downfalls or the outcomes of not addressing picky eating right now. The first and what I think is kind of the foremost one is the parent-child relationship. This relationship is being formed around the table, whether we want it to or not. Our parenting comes out at the table. We are with our children eating like 50 to 60% of the time, right? How many snacks do those kids eat? We're with them all the time around food. So they're the way that we parent them, the way that we interact with them, the way that we connect with them a lot of times involves food. So this parent-child relationship is being built around meals and snacks and the dinner table and the breakfast table and the kitchen and those sorts of things, right? The kitchen is the heart of the home. I'm not saying this is the only place that you form connection with your child, but it certainly is a huge opportunity to build trust and relationship. So when we have picky eating kind of spur up out of nowhere what it feels like, we as parents have a choice to either connect with our kids through it, be on their side, support them, make them feel safe and understood and heard and you are battling this picky eating thing together, or what is more commonly happening is we start a war at the dinner table. There's a battle back and forth, and this battle overflows into our relationship with our little one. And it starts small, okay? I always feel like I talk about this, and it's like, oh, from day one, it's this huge battle. No, it starts small. It starts by us catering to them and then us resenting them for making five meals at every mealtime for each individual child. And then we you know, it, it, it slowly builds, right? Then on top of this, so the parent-child relationship is strained and causes stress with us as parents. Then there's us, right? Just us as an individual. Our lives are directly affected by our picky eater. We're tired. We're burnt out. We can't keep it straight anymore. We can't write down the lists and the foods. We can't keep up with which brand they like. And was it this one or that one? Or I forget, have I tried this before? Did they eat that? What happened last time? I can't remember, right? Like our lives feel 
stressed when we have picky eating in our life. It is hard. It is a hard parenting thing to overcome. I want you to know that I see you and it's hard on us, right? Our life, like if picky eating was just removed, like the sliver from your foot is taken out and now all of a sudden you no longer have to deal with picky eating in your life, but you still have this amazing, wonderful child that you have created or included in your family. Oh my gosh, how beautiful, right? If picky eating was no longer a concern, and you can just make a meal and enjoy it together, life-changing. So socially, we're affected. Okay, then talking about kind of these social pressures and hard situations that come up. Maybe there's a birthday party coming that your kid was invited to, but you're not sure they're going to have the right food, or your child's not sure they're going to have the right food. Maybe they get there and there's nothing that they are willing to or can eat and they're stuck without food. Maybe you have to pack separate food, or maybe it's, you know, eventually, maybe one day (laughs) your child gets invited to a birthday party and you're expected to just drop them off and leave. And you have no idea if they're going to be able to nourish themselves. Are they going to come home starving? Maybe think about school lunches. Are our kids going to get picked on for the way that they're eating, the way that they're not eating, the things that they do eat, the things that they don't eat? Are our kids going to pick on others for the foods that they're eating? Are they going to put down the way that other people are eating? There's a lot of social dynamic that happens around food. I'm sure all of us can stop right now and think of a time in our childhood around the lunch table, like what happened, right? (laughs) It's socially difficult. Now, of course, the primary reason of getting over picky eating isn't so that our kids aren't picked on, right? Like, no, no, no. We teach kids not to pick on each other, period. But we know kids. We know what happens in those lunchrooms. And this is a component for them, which may or may not play a role in the fact that picky eaters are more likely to develop social anxiety later in life, right? So all these things start to kind of weave together. And of course, there's the idea that they could have lifelong pickiness, that their partner in the future is going to be so frustrated with them because they won't eat vegetables and they're trying to teach their kid how to eat vegetables, but my partner won't even eat vegetables. And these are the DMs I get every day. So there's the idea that our kids will one day grow up and become a parent or a mentor or someone of influence, of course, and still have this pickiness that is frustrating for other people around them to deal with. And then they're frustrated. And then they feel like they can't be themselves. They can't go out to meals with each other. They can't enjoy that time spent with other people because they're still picky. It, you know, it it feels very surfacey, but it's really not. I've I get DMs frequently of people who they themselves are still picky and they hate it about themselves. They are so tired of not being able to eat things that people prepare for them. They feel like it keeps them from social situations. They say no more often than yes. They're not able to connect with people. They're not able to accept meals when they just had a child because they're worried about what might be in it. And it creates these ramifications in our relationships later in life. And the last one that I want to mention here as we're kind of talking about what kind of eaters we're going to raise in the future is food rules. There's a chance that as a picky eater is developing and if we're getting pressure from our parents around certain foods and labeling foods as good or bad or accepted or not accepted or whatever that might look like, this can potentially, now of course the research is difficult to prove, uh, create food rules which could eventually lead into disordered eating. 
eating foods that aren't necessarily honoring their body and their hunger and their health and their well-being, but more so eating foods based on rules that they picked up as a picky child around the table. So these sort of food rules can follow them into life, interceding and and basically um, interrupting their health and wellness journey. So affecting their relationship with food and with their body and concerned about weight and all these things that I talk about a lot on both my Instagram and my Diet Riot podcast. Um, If you haven't tuned into that podcast, you can do that as well. And basically affecting their relationship with food long term, which is not what we want as parents. We don't want our kids to get stressed and anxious around food thoughts and obsessing over how much they can eat, what they can eat, how much they need to go work out afterwards, whatever that looks like. We want them to have a healthy and peaceful relationship with food where they are honoring their body in a healthful way and eating what's right for them, right? So this got heavy. (laughs) I know it's a lot and I honestly didn't even cover all of it. But I feel like these are the most important things. I wanted to break it down for you because I do think it's important to have this conversation of why picky eating is something that needs to be tackled, needs to be overcame. But a reminder here, mama, that we can only do so much, right? So let's all just take a deep breath together and remind ourselves that we can only do so much and certain days are going to be better than others. There are days and seasons of our life where we can commit to helping our child overcome picky eating and there are seasons in our life where goldfish and chicken nuggets are just going to do the job and that's all we need, right? As long as you're feeding them, you are doing it right. I do think that it's an important conversation to talk about why picky eating is so important to tackle and to overcome and why it's important to go about it in the most protective way for our children instead of the way that maybe we were raised or what our instincts tell us we want to do when our kids just won't eat the dang dinner. But I'm here to remind you that picky eating is an important and worthy investment of your time. Okay, so here's the thing. I am not here to fearmonger you into spending money. <laughs> I'm not here to fearmonger you into signing up for my programs. This episode stands alone. It's on its own to let you know why it's important. Of course, I have dedicated my career to helping moms overcome picky eating in their home, teaching you the answers of how to uniquely identify why your child is picky and how to overcome it. And that's what my program Table Talk is all about. So if you want more information about that, that will be all linked down below, um, whether the doors are open right now or not for my signature program. Uh, The starter program is now available to you, and that is always available, completely self-paced. You can do it in your own time. You can watch it with your household or your partner, whoever's also helping you feed these children and can be extremely helpful. The signature program goes deeper. If you need more help, if you need more support, if you have a moderate to severe selective eater and just need a little bit more handholding, it is guided by me. I show up live with you and answer your real life questions. So all of that will be down below, but either way, my podcast is here for you. It is a free resource. Listen to it. Please subscribe, start from the beginning and go through it. It is packed full of free information 
along with my Instagram. It is a free resource for you. Scroll through the feed posts, scroll through the highlight bubbles and tune into my stories every day. I pretty much give tips and tricks and teachings and it's all there for you for free. If you're needing more support, if you're needing some handholding, if you're needing some true direct advice, sign up for Table Talk. It will change your life. And that's not my words. Those are the words that I get at the end of every single session I've done. So that's all for me. I hope this episode was helpful for you. I hope it kind of realigned us towards why this is important because helping our children learn how to eat is a thankless job. And I'm here to thank you for doing the work. Thank you for all that you do for your children, because your children will grow up alongside my children and they will live in this world together. And that is important. And that is important. And what we're doing is important, mom. What we're doing is important. Parenting these children, breaking generational cycles of bad parenting or mediocre parenting or parenting where we didn't feel seen or loved or heard or understood we can change that for our future and we can build a better world, which is pretty cool. All right. You have spent enough time with me. I appreciate you sticking in for the extra few minutes and I will catch you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review. You can find more from me on Instagram at momandmerd. And please feel free to send me any questions or comments you may have by emailing me at alyssa at momandmerd.com. Until next time, mamas. Thank you.